0: What
1: You are listening to What Truck! The <laughs> there we go. We had to bring it back. We brought it back for one more. Because this is actually a Bloodlines episode, Michael Vincent. We That's are perfect. having Adam McDonough from C.H. Robinson. He'll be on today with his grandpa. We'll be talking about trucking then and now. Nice. And, uh, and deregulation. We're going to have um, Kingsgate Logistics. Big family affair block party. Excellent. Good. we got the Freight Bambino. The He's Bambino's in the today. house. You know, he told me he's he's been waiting six months on new hats. Six, six
2: months, months, months for a new hat? Crisis. Yeah. Whoa.
1: By the way, folks, this is What so the truck. I'm Duner. That's the dude. We're a podcast that happens three times a week on Freightways TV and podcast mm-hmm. players everywhere. We are live noon, to one, Eastern time. Dune came out last night on HBO Max. Did you watch it? I didn't. I saw the trailer during the Browns game, though. Visual and audio feast. A little bit bleak. Could have used a little more levity. I'm not sure if, like, yeah. normal people, like non-nerds, will <laughs> like the ending. Um... But I would say it's worth a watch, and it gave me something to think about afterwards.
2: So it, was it as bleak as a Browns game? Or?
1: Uh, you know, I, was, I, was, I, I turned it off at halftime. I was, I was like, wait, Keenum? <laughs> it was, it was, Verdi, yeah.
2: it was I, that I interesting to you,
1: huh? <laughs> I couldn't do it. By the way, here's, a, here's like the meme of the day. Throw this one up here. Uh, it's our, uh, we got this one? We got uh-huh. it already? Doesn't look good. Maybe I didn't give it to him. I don't know. All right, I'll throw do? it in the folder. We'll we'll look at it at the end of the show. All right. Well, we got a lot to cover today. We've got... a. Uh, we, well, let's get to it. I mean, Nathan's waiting for us. Should we just he jump is, right yeah. to it? Yeah, right on, man. All Nathan's right, oh, cool. All right, we got to tip He's the bit. Autonomous there. trucks are coming with a huge potential windfall if you're ready to seize it. Um... You're ready to season, start re your supply chain for timing today. Contact Locomation at Tellem, dude. Hey,
2: I will tell you. Go to Locomation.ai for turnkey solutions immediately after this show.
1: All right, Nathan Strang, Director of Ocean Trade Lane Management at Flexport, is here. I was so excited to talk to you. I totally messed up my opening. Thank you for coming on the show, Nathan. <laughs> oh, thank you for having me on. This is great. <laughs> Uh, tough times right now. Let's throw up this vessel map. Let's take a look. 79 ships at anchor uh, setting a new record. It looks like more and more are coming. And I saw your CEO Ryan's post that only two cranes are even operating. So it, it seems like this could escalate to 100 containers at anchor at, at, at any moment here because of things are just slowing and slowing, and slowing as more congestion comes. You were down at the port just the other day. Tell us a little bit about what you saw.
3: Yeah, so uh, we went down to the port, and this is part of something that we've been doing, and and did a lot more pre-COVID, but a little bit of outreach to to the frontline uh, workers that are down there. Uh, most recently, we did this in in uh, Chicago, where we brought them a taco truck. So we did the same thing down here. We went down, and the whole intent was just to do appreciation. There wasn't to to kind of interview them, but as we were standing around and eating tacos, and as you do with a bunch of freight nerds, we just started talking about what's going on, and. And it was just interesting to hear their perspective. And and you kind of realize that their perspective of the people who are actually moving the cargo off the ships isn't always uh, isn't always heard. And I thought it was important that people hear it. So I, I typed up my little summary and put it on Twitter and LinkedIn and. Well, now I hear him talking to you guys. Look,
1: Let's take a look at this, too. We have um, Spire just sent us there. It's powered by their Spire AIS satellite. They just sent us these images from there. And this is the past two years of congestion growth over at the port. And what you're looking at is the red dots are container ships. And this is going to... I think it's about a thirty-second-long clip, and once we get over into this year, you're going to see these numbers really start to balloon. Now, Nathan, a a common narrative because a lot of people Mm -hmm. tend to get their news from Facebook is that like carb and AB five are causing this congestion, but you're seeing a much different sight at the port, and so are we when we're talking to these dray drivers who are stuck in two mile line long, so two mile uh, long lines. So what? if you had to diagnose the problem here based on what you learned and from the terminal operator's perspective, what do you think we can do to help?
3: Yeah, and I think a lot of people, why they, why they, they kind of hit on things like AB5 is because they're not going down and, and asking people what's going on mm-hmm. and, and asking them what we can do to help. Uh, I think a lot of what we can do to help, and, and if you look at Ryan Peterson's thread today, he goes into a lot of that, is we kind of have to change a little bit the paradigm of how we move freight. And we have to end these stovepipes. Um, I think as a freight forwarder, we're in the middle and we can definitely see what's going on on all ends of the spectrum, right? All the way from the client to their origin source, but everything is stovepipe and we have to break that down. You have to coordinate the planning. You have to also create space. There's just no space. There's nowhere to put empties. There's nowhere to stage chassis. There's nowhere even to repair the chassis. Um, there's a lot of little things that can be done and and you just have to listen to the to the truckers that are doing it. They're not complaining about AB5. They're complaining about the wait times, the lack of chassis, the inability to return empties, no portageons while they're waiting for 5 hours to get into a gate, you know, missing their lunch, things like that. Those are the things we need to start focusing on and fixing.
1: Yeah, speaking of chassis, where's that sign? Uh, Geomars side, no chassis, no bobtails. If you throw that up on the screen so everyone can see it, please. Yeah, throw that one right here. That's when you go into the gate at the port right now. Uh, There's a huge problem. Do you think that we need to, like, gray box these things? Uh, Anything that's customs cleared, first truck in, first truck out with that box, and they get it over to a depot? I realize that is a lot harder than it sounds. But if you can only operate two cranes because you need the real estate, you've got to take an extreme measure. I I know it's like, where does the land come from? But don't we have to do something like that?
3: I think we do, and I and I think that that part of it is that is a lot of this is uncoordinated. And, and as a, 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 someone who's looking at the the data all the time in the tech, it's like why can't we just take a container off a ship, drop it onto a chassis, and drive it out the gate? And it's because of that uncoordinated nature of the business. Everybody is kind of operating within their own little ecosystem, and we're not we're not able to to move the information across from operator to operator in a way that we can use it. So yeah, I think that that's the kind of stuff that we need to start thinking about. How do we pull this stuff to Off dockyard? Looking at what they're doing on the East Coast with their inland rail ports, um, Savannah, Charleston, uh, Virginia, where they're just like, we're just going to move these as far inland as we can, stage them there, and then do it again. Looking at things like that on the West Coast would be very helpful as well.
2: Yeah, those are good long-term uh, solutions. The inland port down here in Georgia mm-hmm. has worked out really, 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 really well. And even the rail, even the rail there in Los Angeles has cleared out their stuff, right? I mean, the rail, so the rail's a good, good, good option there. But Nate, when you're looking at this stuff, does it seem? It seems to me, and we we talked to a bunch of people. They were just we're trying to put water in and out of the exact same valve, right? Is it crazy mm-hmm. to think that you can take? Two major ports right next to each other, LAX and LB, and make one of them inbound and one of them outbound to get this thing moving? Because you can't get empties. They're cutting ships early to get to the next ship to unload and not getting all the empties on that ship to get it out of here, right? I mean, at some point, you've got to have two different valves in and out,
3: right? I, I think you're I think you're onto something there. I don't think you can quite break it up like that. We're talking about private businesses, right, and private sure. enterprises, and, and sure, they all have concept, their own. But, but the concept I think there, so. right? The concept of having a neutral empty yard, I think, is something that we've looked at before and something that that the ports could probably do. Just get a big piece of land that everybody just drives through there first. You drop your empty. Um, it's where all the chassis are if you need a chassis. And then the terminals send their drivers in. You have another set of drivers that pick up the empties as they're needed to bring them out and stage them to the vessels. So yeah, I think something like that is is are the solutions that we really need to look at. and. Is that terminal directly adjacent to the port? Where do you put it uh, i don 't know, but it 's something we definitely need to look at
1: i mean a lot of them are a lot of these empties are just sitting in uh, dre operations yards uh, yeah. Ian Wyland who 's going to be on Monday. He he's been posting his updates and I think at the start of the week he had like 426 empties on 426 chassis He's <laughs> up to 514 empties on 514 chassis it's a huge problem and Ryan wrote here right now if you have a chassis with no empty container on you can go pick up containers at any port terminal however if you have an empty container on that chassis they're not they're not allowing you to return it except on a highly restricted basis you know a lot of people go to they heard the press release 24 7 ports but you kind of heard a little bit different story right at the terminal they're not necessarily planning on going 24 7 are they
3: they're not and and one of the reasons is in their second shift they're barely getting any trucks coming in um, mm-hmm. for various reasons either chassis or just drivers timing out on their hours during the day shift when they're having to wait 10 hours to live unload right um it, so and, and also, I mean, they may have the labor to go into a third shift, but then you start looking at uh, issues around management there. You need the same number of managers for first and second shift, no matter how many cranes you're operating right, in a general sense. So if you go to third shift, where do you get your management, even if you have the labor? So there's a lot of that. And, and looking at the empties, one of the issues around the empties is that because the yard is so full, they have to slow work the ships. It also means that they don't have enough time to load back empties onto those vessels before they need to get that ship out of there and get the next one in. So the the imports and clearing those yards and getting those loaded out of there is, is just backing up onto, onto the empty problem as well.
2: Yeah, you, it's almost like you need to have that third shift. Uh, not working ships, but just clearing the yard. Well, here's the problem. <laughs> right? we, like, one thing you have
1: to understand is that dray drivers, a lot of them are dray drivers in service the port so that they can be home at night. So you can't just have the president go, we're 24-7, yeah. and then all of these people who work 6 to 6 o'clock go, oh, okay, we're just going to flip a switch, and now we're going to work 6 p.m. to 6 in the morning. No, these people have family life. Yeah. So just because the president says something doesn't mean it happens, and the reality is, is what we're actually seeing at the port. And it's... It's the most, that's why supply chain is so complicated, right? This is complicated stuff because it takes so many parties to be involved with it. You're talking about U.S. customs. You're talking about the FMC. You're talking about the ports. You're talking about the dray operators. You're talking about the shippers. You're talking about the receivers. You're talking about the real estate, the land. It's crazy. We're going to show a picture later of Walmart. They have uh, hundreds of boxes stacked on just a strip of land over in Colton, California. My one, one
2: of them empty came in uh, last March. <laughs>
1: Wild stuff, Nathan, um, Nathan, you and Flexport are doing a wonderful job and I, I applaud you guys for going over to the ports and getting this, this boots-on-the-ground perspective. It's exactly what we're trying to do on this show to not just hear like, the CEO taking a boardroom and what they're saying to the White House, but what people are actually seeing there, and that's why we've been talking to so many drivers, because when mm-hmm. you hear that, it's a different narrative than, I think, what we're kind of hearing in the mainstream press. And I think people have a different impression of what some of these issues are. Um, thank you for helping clarify some of that. You, you do a great job on Twitter. Where should I send people to to get more info out of you
3: uh you can follow me at navy strang on twitter or if you're more inclined to the linkedin um just nathan strang on linkedin pretty easy to find me um but yeah i, I try and post about this stuff as much as i can we like to do the context to the data right is not important unless you have the context and you don't get the context unless you go down there love it man, yeah, love keep, it, man.
2: keep giving those uh people a voice out there that are doing actual work yeah
1: thank you for it your time today. i think we do have that thank meeting. you all I think we do have that meme ready now. We're going to be talking to uh, Adam and his grandpa about trucking then and now, but I'm sure that this will resonate with both of them. This is a a meme about driver pay. And what you're looking at if you're on the audio version of this show is there's a boardroom going on right here, a, a panel meeting, and it says, our trucks are empty. How do we fill them? One person suggests CDL trainee. Another one says National Guard. And another guy goes, offer more pay. He gets thrown out the window. <laughs> <laughs> let's bring him up. And let's, let's not offend Adam here also, because I, I know that he's an MMA fighter. Oh, yes. no, you and I want believe offend he's got a 13-1 him. record. I don't want him to be 14-1 um, when he hits me in the mouth. Look, take a picture of our next guest here. Look at this guy in the ring. Look at him right here. Just knock that guy out. Just knock that guy out. Oh, yeah. All right, let's bring he's Adam got- McDonough. He's vice president, truckload, North America surface transformation at C.H. Robinson up along with his father, Richard. Or as, as Adam has told me to call him Dick. How are you, Adam? That's not Adam. That's a picture of Adam. It is.
2: How are you, Adam? Uh-oh. Okay. Well, he's got, a, oh, that's an empty chair right now. That's it is a, an empty chair. Empty chair. Hey, you, you, so I've changed my mind. I, I no longer want Chris Jolly, Jolly in the octagon. Yeah. I'm, I'm taking Adam. You're It's oh, giving people a fair fight.
1: Well, you, and I, you know what? My, when my Facebook memories came up, and this was about a year ago that you got into this battle. Yeah. Uh, that you mentioned that you wanted to take Chris Jolly out.
2: Well, it's not like I randomly mentioned it. We were asking people who they wanted in to <laughs> randomly call him up. But anyways, yeah, he's, he's my new guy. You know, if we do bring them up
1: here, Adam and Richard, Adam is he's 84 years old, right? Not Adam. Imagine an 84-year-old MMA fighter. That would be something special.
2: That he's would a- be special.
1: Well, he's 84. He still has his CDL. Uh, he's still at the shop offering uh, wrenching, unloading, cross docking in the warehouses and getting what he can yeah. to get done. And like I said, Adam over there, he's with C.H. Robinson trying to do the the Lord's work.
2: Um, he absolutely is. You know, we, we had a lot of, uh, you, you got a lot of really good from the uh, floor there, or not from the floor, I'm thinking MMA, but ground zero there in Los Angeles, right? In L.A. at the port, in Portland. And you're giving these people, you're really driving us towards giving those people a good, good, good vision of what is actually happening down there in the front lines of people actually running these things. Like people saying, well, it's AB5 and so on, and it's, we need more drivers. But what are you going to do? You're going to put uh, 100 more drivers in a two, already two-mile long line, right? And you've got all these interesting things here from Ryan Peterson, et cetera.
1: Right? Yeah, well, let's throw this up. Here's a suggestion that Brian Kempisky gave. He's the founder yeah. of port X Logistics. C- can you throw this up here? He gave some great suggestions about what to do about the port. He says, go. I've been in Long Beach the last two weeks. It's crazy. Port Logis- port X Logistics LLC operates on both coasts, and there are some common issues. Long lines are certainly one issue. Many times those long lines are due to congestion. What is congestion? There simply is not enough real estate inside and outside the terminals for the amount of cargo. Empties cannot be returned for various reasons. These empties sit on chassis and cause a chassis shortage. There are some solutions to help, but the velocity through Drayage is just too much. So is the transloading. He does give some solutions, though. Okay. He says that what you can do, right? Yeah. He says don't charter more vessels. It's just causing more havoc that, that, than good. That's worse. And yeah. he says palletize all cargo, right? There's a severe labor shortage. Most places are not taking loose transloads. So 1,000 cartons on the floor equate to eight man hours. Yeah. A palletized transload is about 30 minutes. Everyone is opting to take the palletized loads because this impacts their
2: own labor. Now, and I, And I get that at the warehouse and the labor at the warehouse unloading these things, right? But the issue is that that's going to speed up empties back into the port, isn't it? Which is part of the problem, getting those empties back over there. So I get that from the front end of them coming out and getting these things serviced, right? But then those 510 sitting at the, uh, you know, at the, at the drayage yard before it goes in become 600 quicker. Right. I mean, it just speeds up the empties coming back in the port that they don't want. So that's a that's a difficult thing. Right. Um, but, you know, the upfront strategies that he's talking about, the upfront empty strategy, possibly a free flow with no appointments or offsite location. I think that's on to something. Right. You got to open up that valve. Mm-hmm. Somehow you've got to open up that valve of empties going back.
1: Hey, you know who I see in the green room? I see my boy over there, Freight Bambino. Let's bring him up early, because because Adam and uh, Richard, I'm not sure what's going on. They might have some tech problems. Let's bring Bambino up and get some trucker's perspective on what's going on in the world. Your hat looks great. My hat looks great. His hat looks great. The Freight Bambino's here. What's up, my man?
4: We're doing good. How are you? Loving the hats. <laughs> Shut up. I was like, damn, everybody's wearing one. We're like triplets.
1: <laughs> You have done an amazing job. So, like, in marketing, social proof is huge, and you've done a great job of getting these on people's heads, like drivers all the time. Not only do they buy your hat, but they take a picture wearing your hat and doing your pose in in the mirror. It's it's really been cool. But you told me recently that, you know, you started this small business of selling the shirts. Your your main primary income is being a truck driver, but you started the ghost cattle company, Bambino Cattle Company. But this year, it's been a big-time challenge getting just the T-shirts and hats in. Tell us a little bit about
5: that.
4: Yeah, I mean, when it first started, I mean, I only started in, what was it, January of last year? Yeah. So COVID was already going on, so there was always a delay on it. But here lately, like, for hats and stuff, it's been getting worse and worse. I mean, there's a certain hats that I can't get for, like, six to eight months. And so, like, I ordered them middle of summer, and I'm not going to get them till beginning of 22. So it just makes it tough to, like, get going right now just because there's not a whole lot I can do. It just
2: what? so you said certain hats. You said certain yeah,
4: so like hats are difficult, right? So, yeah. Yeah, well, so there, like I mean I can get like some of the Yeah, for some reason something's acting up. Um no, so certain hats I don't have issues getting, but then other ones, for some reason, they just they just take them forever for them to come I in. Same thing with shirts. I mean, there's just certain styles you just can't get. How's mm-hmm.
1: the road been how's the road been treating you? How's driving been these, these past few months?
4: Uh, it's been good. I mean the load market's real hot. It's hard to beat. I mean, we're making good money. We definitely can't complain about it. It's a whole lot better than when I started in 2016, that's for sure.
2: Mm-hmm. So when you're when you're out there on the road, what's your opinion on the we've got a driver shortage or we don't have a driver shortage? Is it efficiency that you're seeing is is the issue, or is there a lack of drivers? What's your opinion on it? Where do you stand on it?
4: I really don't think there's a lack of drivers. I mean, you go to any truck stop in any big city, and there's drivers waiting around just waiting to get a load and stuff so i really don't think it's about driver shortage as more of them not wanting to pay what the drivers think they're worth and i mean the market's hot so i don't blame the drivers for sitting there but like a lot of the pork stuff it just they're not being like go book a load but then they're sitting there for you know 36 hours by the time they get the load out and i mean if you're doing local stuff you can't be doing that there goes all your you know all the money you're going to make that week Mm. from just sitting there
1: now, where, are you sure. seeing a lot of drivers chase these bonuses, like your, your buddies out there um, chase some of the bonuses, get a new logo on the truck and, and jump around? Is it accelerating turnover, do you think, the, the bonuses or uh, what are you seeing?
4: Uh, I don't know. I, I, I don't feel like bonuses are a reason to jump from company to company. I think having a company that's steady and just actually going to have you loaded all the time and have decent uh, supply, you know, uh, different pl- decent place to load. So you're not sitting around for, you know, half a day at a time. That's worth a lot more to us drivers than a ten thousand dollars sign-on bonus. So I think that has more to do with it than actually the sign-on bonus.
2: Yeah, any desire to cool. go in there and try and fight those battles in those ports, there, freight bambino?
4: Uh, yeah, I'd rather not. I'd will re- stick to doing reefer. It's a whole lot easier. Even <laughs> waiting at warehouse, you can sit there for a few hours here and there, but it ain't the port. That's for sure.
1: Now yeah. reefer. I don't Reefer is an interesting gambit because some people, some people love it, and I heard that there's great receivers and there's really awful receivers. What's the, what's the worst dock in America that you've been to for uh, delivering Reefer?
4: Um, I don't, really don't know. I've been to a few bad ones. I've, the Auburn and, uh, and Auburn, their Safeway, and I forget the Albertsons. That one gets bad sometimes. You'll be there for a day or two occasionally, but we stopped going there after a few times. You just kind of learn to stay away from them. So,
2: yeah. Yeah. I mean, so what about new wood and, and, you know, lumper fees and stuff like that? Is that getting easier to deal with? I used to deal with that quite a bit back in the day, but I haven't for years and years. Is that still a big issue? Um, not really. I mean,
4: it hasn't been a huge issue for a long time. I mean, if they do show up, we usually just get contracts so or the broker pays from immediately. So we don't deal with them too much, but I mean, I don't, we've been doing a lot more steady stuff. So, a lot of the same loads so the ones we've been running we haven't seen any lumpers for a while now it's been like almost two years since i've seen a lumper wow so okay. cool. i don't know if i mean walmart got rid of their lumpers so it used to be 50 dollars or something on load every time but they got rid of that so that's nice as well so you don't have to deal with all that so i don't know i think it's getting easier i haven't heard people complain about it near as much well, let me ask you something so if people want to get bambino cattle
1: company gear for, as christmas presents stocking stuffers those kind of things should they order now
4: Um, I don't know what we have in stock right now. I mean, getting getting stuff is kind of difficult, but whatever there's in stock, yeah. I mean, we should be able to get it sent out. Usually usually I try to get it within two weeks, but it just depends on how everything goes. I mean, I got a full-time job as well, so I'm (laughs) trucking all the time. So, I mean, I hope people understand that I can't get it shipped out the same day because I'm just not home for, you know, a week at a time, so... Yeah.
1: No, I hear you, man. I hear you, man. Well, I, you do a great job out there. Thank you for moving America's freight. We really appreciate you. Salt of the earth. We'll talk to you again soon. Thanks for joining us on the show.
4: All right. I appreciate you guys rocking the hats. Have a good one. <laughs> <Right> <laughs> on, man. Peace.
1: I think we got Adam in there and, uh, and Richard, who um, I believe it's okay for us to call him Dick because that's what he prefers to be called. So gentlemen, thanks for coming on the show. Great. So, before when we were trying to connect to you a little bit earlier in the show, we threw up this meme about driver pay, and uh, and I think that that's one of those problems that's uh, that's always that that's always been there since back when uh, when Dick was driving, and and even to uh, today. So, um, Adam, you are the vice president, Truckload North American Service Transformation at CH Robinson. Uh, Rick, Dick, where do you fit into this?
0: Oh, I'm a owner of a relatively small trucking company that. Uh presently down to about 10 vehicles. At one time, we were probably 30 or more, but uh, because of the merger of uh, small local uh, family-owned companies into large corporations, much of our business has been converted to nationwide carriers. So we have basically changed to from an LTL carrier locally to a truckload carrier going Three, maybe 400 miles. So it's changed the uh, camp configurations from day cabs to sleepers and a few other adjustments. Good.
2: Awesome. So, hey, Dick, welcome to the show. Before we get to to Adam and my challenge for him in the in the octagon of uh, the logistics octagon <laughs> later, um, <laughs> I understand that you still get out on the on the dock and move freight around and stuff like that. Is that to just keep the blood moving, or teaching the young blood what it's done and how we used to do it back in the day?
0: <clears throat> well, if I do nothing, I like to take a nap and if I take too many naps I really get lazy so it's my exercise to a point oh, man, a it, it was kind
5: of Hello. funny it, it was it was kind of funny too. my uh I was trying to we were going back and forth earlier this week and I was literally trying to get a hold of grandpa and my cousin runs the truck line here at McDonough truck line um down in my hometown of Faribault Minnesota and he's like, hey, he's been out DOT and trailers. We all know he doesn't answer his cell phone, um, but he's been out DOT and trailers and uh, and working on the dock. So I finally was able to get a hold of him. And that's where I found him this morning and figured we'd bring him in for a conversation. He might know a thing or two about trucking.
1: So <laughs> let me ask you something. So did he teach you how to, to, to put the gloves up and, and how to fight? You are not just like uh, you don't just have a great job at C.H. Robinson. You're also kicking people's ass
5: yeah it's i you know before when you we were having the technical difficulties i i could see you get we could see you guys but uh (laughs) you guys couldn't hear us evidently so i saw you you pulled up that picture um i would say i probably get it the uh the scrapping side from grandma um grandpa is irish though but grandma's german and and really stubborn so (laughs) probably get that from my grandma char um but uh the the trucking background definitely from Grandpa, I mean, really, we have a widespread. Our, our entire family is is in the trucking business. Um, I've got multiple cousins still in the trucking business. I've got cousins that work for assets, cousins that work for you know TMW Trimble on the consultant side, um, cousins that work in the three PL space, um, as well as multiple spinoffs. Uh, my dad owns and operates a trucking company, um, a nationwide flatbed carrier out of, out of Fairbo as well. Um, so a couple family spinoffs that have been derived from McDonough Truck Line as well. So it's, it's in the blood and, and uh, you know, once it's in, it's, it's, it's not going anywhere.
2: Yeah. No logistics, trucking freight, it gets, it's like something you step in and you just can't wash it off. Right. It just keeps coming back no matter what kind of soap you use. Uh, And and I love it. I've been in it for 34 years. It's interesting though, that your family is so involved in it. Did you always want to be in this or did you try something new and come back to it? Adam?
5: Yeah, it's, 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 you know, funny. You mentioned that, you know, from my perspective, um, I grew up in it. I grew up, grandpa and I were reminiscing. I grew up sweeping the dock. I grew up, which is my three least favorite words, by the way, every time I'd go up to him and tell him I'm bored, he would turn around and say, sweep the dock. Yeah. I grew up grading the, grading the uh, driveway and, and drop trailer yard with the Bobcats and, and, you know, DOT and trailers and doing a nighttime dispatch, mm-hmm. everything from order entry to list bill auditing, to load planning, to, um, you know, tra- changing brake drums and, and working out in the shop for multiple years. Um, so I did try to get out of the business. I went to school for, for, uh, finance and accounting and thought I was going to go down a different path and got sucked right back in and, um, started with CH Robinson about 13 years ago, if you will, give or take. And I'll be honest with you. I, I very quickly fell in love, um, with the space and, and, uh, specifically, you know, the work I was doing, the people I was doing it with, the company I was doing it for. And, you know, I just have have never really turned back since. Um, it gave me an opportunity to really realize from the onset, very early on in my Robinson career, how I could be an extension to a, a carrier partner's business, um, both small assets and large assets. And, you know, a, being able to leverage the experience and, and relate to you know, not only trucking companies but also drivers, um, knowing and understanding you know what they're looking for, what their expectations are, um, you know the, the revenue they want to make on a weekly, um, monthly, annual basis. Um, how to problem solve, how to get creative. Uh, those were types of things that I was I was drawn to very early on, and um, created an appetite for me more holistically within Robinson to you know really want to help. Drive uh, a change in perception and culture in the brokerage arena. Mm-hmm. As you think about, you know, the three PL landscape and the opportunity to build a very carrier centric culture, um, and and that's been quite the journey over the last ten years. And I and I'm really happy with how the entire industry has evolved in that sense and the value that we are seeing. And I think a light has been shined over the last eighteen months. Um, specific to the value truck drivers bring to the equation, and when we needed the most, they've delivered during this pandemic. But uh, really, unique opportunity to to kind of see this this transformation, if you will, um, into a very carrier centric uh, three PL environment, as well as you know the the digital transformation, uh, you know that is that is taking place right before our eyes here. Um, Adam, Adam, let's
1: hear about that transformation. Early. I want to talk to, let's give, let's give Dick a chance here. I want to ask him a little bit about this too. You got 13, he's got sure. 13 years, but he's got one each year at CH Robinson. He's got a win in the Octagon. Oh, wow. So <laughs> no Dick, kidding. I got to ask you. So Craig Fuller, our CEO, he was like going through the, I was, I was looking at his Twitter. He was like going through the microfiche or something at that, the, uh, at the library, he was the all these old art. I'm not kidding. He's posting all these old articles from like every decade. Of people talking about a driver shortage. Like anytime yeah. now you'll see articles post about driver shortage. But in the 1960s, in the 1970s, in the 1980s, always complained forever since the first driver truck we shortage. had a shortage. <laughs> what have you seen out there? What transformation have you seen happen before your eyes, Dick?
0: Well, in the 1960s, I would say let's make it a little later than that, because in the 60s, it was basically my wife and I and, uh, you know, soul drivers and sole dispatchers. (laughs) While she was raising children from home, she would answer the phone. But later on, we were able to uh, transform 18, 19-year-olds into truck drivers and uh, without a lot of restrictions from the government. And we did kind of our own training. But keep in mind, in this part of the country, many of the People are related closely to farms, so they'd been driving tractors. I hate to say how young they were, but it'd probably be a double sin today if they were to do that. But trucking, tractors, machinery was part of their lives. And when they came to driving a straight truck to haul cattle to South St. Paul and clean out the truck and pick up freight to come back home, that was not an unusual situation and uh, was not really restricted like it is today that you have to be 21 or our insurance company says 25. By the time they're 25, they certainly aren't going to go back into trucking. They had to get into some type of uh, livelihood because they probably have a wife and maybe some children and, uh, A lot of things change, and you just have to kind of adapt with the changes. And that's one of the reasons it's very difficult to find a younger truck driver in 2021 compared to 1965, I would say.
2: Wow. And, and, you know, that development makes a lot of sense is why the the, the industry is kind of like that. A second chance industry, right? Yeah. For a lot of people, right? Sure. Because of that, they go into something else and then fall back into this, yeah. right? I think it's interesting, kind of also. Freight. I mean, that's freight. That?
1: That's freight. That, oh yeah, that's freight.
2: freight all the way. Yeah, that's freight all the way. I think it's interesting, though, Dick. If you if you think about it, when I would say, "Hey, we're going to have this guy on," and he's a, a a manager in trucking and he's also an MMA fighter, he knocks people out on the side, right? The image of that it would be totally different in 1965 than it than it is today, right? I mean, would you agree that the culture has changed? that much that that image, it did totally sense in 1965, right?
0: But now it doesn't, not so much. I agree with you. The uh, type of work that we handled in the 60s, 70s was more manual where today, um, if you don't go to college, you almost have a black mark on your resume, but uh, the skill of college education probably doesn't, include truck driving as a goal that you have set after three four years of college so we're fighting an aspect of how do we make transportation a fun business uh glorified business or whatever we want to do to paint the right picture
1: yeah adam i gotta ask you so you've been at ch for 13 years now <clears throat> your team and your hires, are you seeing them change or evolve? Are you seeing a, a different attitude out of, out of people and any changes there?
5: You know, I, I think we're seeing with the younger generation, you, you know, we're seeing a adoption of technology. Um, and really it's become kind of the new normalcy. Mm-hmm. Um, so from, from that perspective, I think, you know, it's just a new age worker. We're also seeing a, a lot of the labor challenges that we have today, you know, in terms of the workforce and how they want to work, the way they want to work, um, you know, in terms of being, you know, hybrid versus in office versus it's, it's really kind of, you know, reshaped the culture, specifically the last, you know, 18 months to two years since the pandemic, if you will. But, um, you know, I, I would say, uh, again, from a technolo- uh, technology perspective, excuse me, you know, we're seeing you know, folks that are coming in that are, are very technologically capable, right? And, and you know, pairing that and, and marrying that and empowering them with the the right type of technology that can um, subsidize and bolster their efforts in working with our carriers and, um, you know, providing the meaningful customer service that we need from a carrier perspective. Um, it has been something that is, you, you know, again, uh, easily or excuse me, early adopted from, you know, from a new hire perspective, coming into coming into Robinson.
1: Hey, gentlemen, thank you so much for your time today. This has been a, this has been a great conversation. I, I mean, we, we should yeah, have booked you absolutely. for a full hour, but we got another block party and another bloodline guest to get to. Uh, I will have you back on soon, Adam, and we'll actually break down some truckload freight and we'll break down the market. Maybe we'll do that in November. But I really wanted to meet your, your grandpa. Thank you so much, Dick, for coming on the show, sharing your experience and what you've seen and, and the growth of the industry over time. Uh, you Both of you gentlemen have a wonderful weekend.
2: Yeah. Hey, get out there and sweep yeah, the dock, Dick. Hey, take thank care, you. guys. Thank you. Take care. Take it easy.
1: All right. Now, I see them in the green room, and I think this is the most guests we will ever have on at one time. I think it's the entire uh, Beckham family. It's Jeff Beckham. I know it's uh, it's Rain Beckham of Kingsgate Logistics, but I see a bunch of other smiling faces over there. So let's bring bring them all up on here. Bring them all up on here. Let's see. How's it going, Jeff? Who we got over
6: there? Holy mackerel. So I've got my sister, Amy Barnett, and uh, my brother, David Beckham, uh, my nephew, Trevor, and uh, my nephew, Andy. Wow. And, and let's Ryan's bring, my daughter.
1: Yeah, let's bring Ryan up too. Let's see if she can bend it like Beckham. How, what's up, Ryan? What do you do with these <laughs> folks?
7: <laughs> what's funny is I actually played soccer in college. So that's a very fitting joke.
2: <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Nice. Awesome. Good to see everybody there. No, so,
7: let, how, so let's uh, how Jeff, how long has Kingsbate,
1: Kingsgate been together? How long has this clan been together and, and been building this, this company and this brand?
6: Yeah. So it's awesome. The, the timing of this is perfect. This uh, It's 35 years. This week that uh, we've been in business, and Amy and David and I bought the company in 2008 from our parents. Um, so this is this is kind of a monumental week for us. We've been uh, it's been a week full of celebrations and uh, having a great time with it.
2: So how did those negotiations go, Ryan? Uh, as far as uh, buying this from your parents, right? Uh, were they tough negotiators buying this from or what? <laughs>
7: Yeah, we haven't had that conversation yet.
6: <laughs> yeah, second generation still has it. Yeah, we haven't turned it yeah. over yet. Oh, okay. I got you. I got you. Well, yeah. you know, he's
1: got back. though If you got like Adam, for example, Adam Adam McDonough, he's a thirteen one octagon fighter. Yeah. So he go if he goes into like Bob Easterfield and says, hey, I want to raise. Yeah. I don't know if you're if you're the CEO, what do you do, Jeff? <laughs> Jeff, you got the whole family to back you. How do you speaking of fighting right. <laughs> as a family? Do you all get along? A lot of family, you know, a lot of families, it, it can get heated. It, you know, be, you're around each other at home. You're Around each other at the office. How do you uh how do you stay cool and collaborate without biting each other's heads off?
6: I, we've been pretty lucky. I mean, I don't we haven't had uh we, we've not had one argument, the time we've worked together or the time we've owned the business together. And I think part of that is that we've all kind of got delineated responsibilities, right? Amy oversees the finances. Dad made her promise that he wouldn't let us near the checkbook. And uh David oversees the yeah. Yeah, David oversees the operations group, and then I I'm in business development, and everybody else kind of rolls up to me. So it, uh, it it's just worked. It's it's worked. We didn't even when I worked for my dad. You know, I had we had one argument. I thought somebody should be terminated, and uh, he didn't. And he reminded me who signed the checks, and that was the end of the argument. Oh, you should have gone with rock, paper, scissors. You know, and done it the old fashioned <laughs> way to settle it. Yeah. So- so he yeah. pulled the
2: old "I I pay the bills to keep the lights on," so just right, do what I say. Right. He pulled that that did card you work on you. at the you? bottom of your
6: paycheck. Yeah. I, I'll tell you, <laughs> yeah. as as someone
1: who doesn't work with family at the company, the same thing happens, family or not. So yeah. that's true. The more they <laughs> change, the more they say the same. Ryan, let me ask you. So you said you were in soccer. You were in you were in college playing soccer. What made you decide to join the family business? And did you ever consider not joining the family business?
7: Yeah, um, actually, I never planned on joining
1: the family business. Um, she
7: still does <laughs> Well, I noticed she's not yeah. with
1: them. She's on her own camera.
7: I'm in the weather this week, so I'm trying to be smart and maintain my distance until I'm totally recovered. But um, what, what's a really cool story is that, you know, I did grow up, you know, being aware of the business, but I saw Kingsgate before we had really transformed into the company we are today. And all I saw were like, Boring, like trekking and trucking situations, things that didn't really interest me as a you know sixteen year old kid. Um, so after after college, I went out to uh, D.C. and I worked on the Hill for a few years, and then came back and continued working for some state and federal officials. And um, about three years ago, my dad Jeff had a conversation with me that you know Kingsgate was looking at what their future is going to look like, and you know he thought. Maybe this will be a time for me to really consider. Maybe this is, you know, a good fit for you now that we're such a different business than we were, you know, 15 years ago. Um, so, you know, it was a very weird transition going from public sector my entire life to the private sector, but it's been such an eye opening experience and i'm actually getting my mba right now so it's just perfect timing everything aligned and um i'm just really grateful that i made the decision it's been awesome working with family
2: so, Ryan, I'm interested in that in that change from from the the, the working on the hill and working with the uh, federal and state officials, yeah. right, and being that communications director now at Kingsgate. What was the thing that that really changed or or was surprising to you moving into the logistics industry, right, from this the highbrow hill to just you know diesel and rubber and that type of stuff. <laughs>
7: It's so true. I mean, it's just such a different world out there. And um, when I moved home, I was fortunate to work for a congressman um, from Butler County, Westchester, Ohio. And um, what was really neat was he was, um, before he held a congressional office, he had never been an elected official. He worked for his dad and took over his dad's business. So fortunately, my former boss, Congressman Davidson, was an incredible mentor for me. And you know, he was just such a down-to-earth guy that he kind of like opened my eyes to what that could be like. And, you know, I was fortunate again to work at the local level and just see what businesses go through day in and day out. I worked with, you know, Chambers of Commerce and got to meet with all these businesses. And, you know, it just was such a breath of fresh air from what I had experienced when I was out on the Hill. And, um, you know, the logistics industry is certainly, you know, a little rougher on the edges. But I think from what I've seen <laughs> in the short three years that i worked in it, it's just made immense strides in this tech field. and that's I think what really excites someone that would be like in my generation is you know utilizing this technology to make it more of a sophisticated field to work in.
1: Now, Ryan, I'm I'm I'm, sp- I'm seeing your family in the other camera, and they're sort of just beaming with pride. So this is this is a question, <laughs> Jeff. Jeff, this is a question for your mom and dad, actually, because it started with them. It's their fault that this has all happened. Right. It's cascaded down the bloodline. Mm-hmm. Yeah, how yeah. proud are you like that this, seven. or four genera, three, four generations? I'm not even sure how many generations yeah, we've got three here. here. Yeah, three. How so? How how proud does it make you to see? This go through the family and to see that what you're doing, your 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 child and then your grandchild thought was a great enough career that they've decided to come on board too. That has to feel pretty good.
6: Yeah, it's pretty awesome. Dooner. It's, um, you know, quite, quite frankly, we started the business and, and it really was just to kind of create a lifestyle for my parents. And I joined them six weeks after they started and we never really envisioned us being a company. And, and I remember picking them up from the airport one time and, and I told my mom that we needed to get a new accountant and we talked about money and she looked at me and she's like, wait, did we like to a million dollars or something? Why, why do we have to get fancy? And it was just the, the humility of our beginnings. We never really thought we'd be where we are today where we've, mm. you know, we've got three offices and, multi, and you know, now the third generation, uh, an integral part of what we're trying to do. It's really been just incredible to, to witness.
2: It's awesome. So, Jeff, from from trying to get Ryan to pick up her Barbies in her in her bedroom to now working for you, uh, how, do, how how are you motivating her to get that? Because I got daughters and I can't even get them to clean oh. up their Barbies. How is it managing your daughter in this in this corporate environment versus versus family?
6: Well, you know, I think the the, the key to it is and, and I think, you know, the boys back here would tell you, too, is we just set the expectation and we kind of let them figure out how they've got to get the job done. You know, it, it's given them the freedom to, to develop and make mistakes on their own and, you know, learn the business by stumbling and by succeeding. Uh, they're all doing a little bit of different things for the company. And so, you know, I think just kind of setting the proper expectation and, and, and letting them know we, you know, what, what, we're, what we expect from them, what we hope for them and uh, letting them figure out how to make it happen. I think that's the key to any multiple generational business. I think that's one of the keys to making that happen.
1: Well, let's ask the boys in the back. You just mentioned them. Are you two young men thinking about a career in freight or logistics, or do you maybe want to try your own thing first, and you'll circle back? Like, Ryan, where where are your heads at?
0: I'll start first, Jeff. I mean, I've I've been here for 16 years, so this has always been a dream of mine, and I always told my mom growing up, had my grandpa been a doctor, maybe school would have been a little bit more important. But that was, as far as I was concerned, it was just following what my what role model growing up, what he did and created. Wow. So for me, it's
4: yeah. been a no brainer. Wow. wow. On my side, I'm two months in here and this is something I've always wanted to do my whole life. So I'm just glad for my opportunity and I'm making the most of it right now. What do you think so far? What, like
1: freight's a crazy world and you're joining <laughs> at a crazy time. Um, so you might not be getting like the full experience of like what it was like maybe two years ago. Although, you know, there's always problems in freight. Oh, there's always yeah, some yeah, issue to yeah, solve. Yeah, don't, some don't, pull,
2: don't pull them back in a day yeah. on him. dude. All right. Don't right. pull yeah. it out. <laughs> I was trying to say it was a little nicer back in the day. It's been a little crazy right now. <laughs> I remember you, when two we had square, in, square uh, wheels. <laughs> two
1: months in, what do you think?
2: <laughs> yeah. Yep. So yeah. two
1: months, two months in,
4: what do you think? Two months in, it's definitely very eye-opening. Um, I love being around my family. We have like the like they were saying, we have three locations. I'm very close to the one down by my house, but I like coming up thirty minutes north just to be around my family. I find it more motivating being around them. Um I just love it. I don't know what else to say, really.
2: No no, hey, great. No, that's 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 no, saying- no that's awesome. And and dude, you, you know, new eyes on the on the business is always, always good. It's a business that has lagged for years in development is yeah. just recently. Taken off and becoming one of those that people actually do go to college and say, "Hey, you know what? I want to get into logistics." So, uh, yeah. congratulations! Guys. Well, when, I, was, when okay. I started at
1: FedEx Trade Networks, I was 25 years old, and the next closest person to my age was 38. It was, you know, you always talk about drivers' yeah. age, but I think a lot of brokers' age, especially in a lot of markets, were were very sort of aged out. And now you're seeing a lot more young people, and especially as you start hearing, mm-hmm. like, "Oh, uh, there's tech involved; it's getting a little bit more fun." There's media involved. There's a lot more things that I think attract people to it. And also now it's a huge mainstream headline, which I think. Actually serves as a great recruiting device because people actually know what supply chain is and mm-hmm. and know that it's a field that they can direct them in. You guys are fantastic. I loved having you on. Um, I'll have to have less of you on next time so we can get a little deeper into what Kingsgate <laughs> does uh, on logistics. But I the story I wanted, the story I wanted to tell today was about family, and 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 I and I think you yeah. guys told it very well. People who want to connect with Kingsgate, where do we send them to?
6: Our website's kingsgatelogistics.com. Our uh, Twitter handle is at Kingsgate Logistics. L-O-G-S-T-X. And, uh, hey, what you guys are doing is really helping spur this younger generation. Uh, you're, you're doing great work, and we really appreciate everything you're doing. Oh, thank awesome. you so much, Thanks. Jeff. We, we Our next time it.
2: with them, we're going to have to be over for Sunday family dinner, right? We will. We'll do it live.
6: We will. Okay. Okay, we've, hey guys, we've got an Irish pub down on the first floor. We call that the first floor conference room. So, uh, we'll have you down yeah, there. let's go. I'll have some Uh-oh. shepherd's pie.
2: I'll have some shepherd's pie and, yeah. uh, and a Guinness.
6: <laughs> take Take it easy, yep. guys. Thank you so much. Thank you Cheers, guys. Cheers.
1: All right, let's wrap things up with a little good news, bad news. Uh,
7: the bad news
1: and good news. Oh. All right. Hope they're okay. Good news. You just got your authority. Bad news. This is happening. Put this up. New Jersey Port Girl, she was on the show on Wednesday. She was telling us about the struggles that yeah. they face over at the port, right? Right, right. She sends me this video from yesterday at Mahar Terminal. And one of the reasons she did is because I posted another trucker's footage on Facebook. right? I mean, on LinkedIn. And yeah. I was like, uh, meanwhile, over at the New York, New Jersey ports, this is what drivers have to contend with. Right. Someone from APM Terminals wrote, oh, not, not here. Nothing to see here. Oh, and is that right? <laughs> it kind of rubbed me the wrong way, because when you do that, you're saying that this doesn't exist, that, that poor truckers don't contend with this, and you don't have to do anything with, about it. But this is a reality, and this is a reality that drivers yeah. have to face with, and this is a reality that someone who just got their authority... A mother who we want in this profession is going through this stuff. What she's driving through—this video is like two minutes long. We're going here;
2: it's just gonna well, going to keep going. driving a while, and right from her, she's here, and we were interviewed. She's one. She said NYTC is the one that's doing good. Yeah, uh, but the rest of them are back. Yeah, up. I like mean, APM—the guys posted a camera
1: from APM terminals. Fine, like that camera looked good, but any port can look good if there isn't a vessel unload going on. <laughs> Apparently, there's one going <laughs> on right true. here, and that's, that's what it's her quote here is two or more miles of traffic. Drivers are waiting here for free because Wait, detention doesn't.
2: What the heck was he doing? I don't even know because (laughs) detention
1: doesn't start until two hours or until they get in the in-gate. So that means in that line, you have to get the in-gate ticket. All that time in that two-mile backlog,
2: you are not getting paid anything. No, and then when you get to the front, you get turned away and have to start all over.
7: Yeah,
1: and <laughs> she, you know her thing. Her next quote here is: "The driver shortage does not exist. The port administration should come up with a better system because we are suffering." And drivers don't like this narrative that there's a driver shortage when they're stuck in a two-mile long. It doesn't look like a shortage backlog. to
2: me. It looks like it doesn't
1: uh, ring true at
2: either port, L.A. or there, that there's not enough dray truckers hitting no, the port. That is no. just not the case. It, no, it makes me want to call BS, and yeah. you know how I like to do that. Hey, I got some good news though, man. Yeah, back in your uh, old stomping grounds, the port of Boston is big ship ready, nearly eight hundred fifty million dollars they put in it, yeah. and we show the pictures of the the, the, the low-profile cranes that they put in there, right? So, so they're up and ready, right?
1: Yeah, so if you're not familiar with Boston, Boston's right by Logan Airport. I mean, it's it's yeah. right across the harbor right there where, yeah. the, where the airlines go down. So they have to have, their, they have these specialized gantry cranes that I think they have, uh, theirs are st- very exclusive to their port, because yeah, they is. can yeah. only go a certain high. Um, and part of that limited the, the size of ships that could come into the yeah. port, so they put in these bigger ones and they expanded their vessels. That's size. exactly the, the, right. The steamship lines must be so happy.
2: No, no. Well, that's oh. the bad news, man. They're not, they really don't, aren't that impressive. Right now, man, you got, the Ocean Alliance, CMA, CGM, APL, Costco, OCL, Evergreen. They're going to bypass those guys until probably maybe February. We'll see you guys in February. (sighs) No respect, bro. uh, There's so much congestion up in New York, New Jersey. That's where we just showed New Jersey, New York, New Jersey, poor girl. Um, Uh, I think, I I don't know. Does it just take time for people to get used to it for the inland infrastructure or something? I, I don't know. Well, I heard from a source okay. that
1: there's, there's a lot of disappointment here because you see that big investment. Yeah. They took almost million, they, dollars, they, man. They said their big ship ready. They thought they would be having like a ceremony with the ship coming in yeah, sure. much sooner. They thought it would be happening around now. And now the rugs got pulled over and they're told it until February 22. And this all the while happening. Well, we're under siege with all this congestion. It's, yeah. like, it's like America is gorging herself with imports. And they're, you know, it's yeah,
2: it's almost like a black mirror episode. It is. I, 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 what is the uh, what is the uh, sugar or the uh, you know the the, the food coma going to look like? <laughs> <laughs> oh, when all this dead inventory comes in here, yeah, yeah, it's <laughs> going to be bad. It's going to be scared bad. Of right now, is getting scared of the food coma after the I- gorging.
1: I think, and I don't want to like stroke any fear here or anything no, like that. No, me neither. Um, but, but look, you know. there's things going on site. You're all seeing it. You're like, you're going to grocery stores. You're seeing that all these shipments are out of sync. You know, uh, I had one guy who sent me a video. He's walking through the grocery store. All the Gatorade's gone. Why? Because the Gatorade's stuck in, in in a in a shipment or a truck somewhere. Yeah, so there's signs But then the next
2: week they got too much of it. Yeah,
1: it's <laughs> not that everything is out of stock. Everything's not. It's just that everything is out of sync. It's so out you're of seeing sync. Seeing these really weird stockouts.
2: Exactly what it but is. But
1: the other side of that is that there's so much inventory of the certain things because those containers finally come in. Yep. So the comes and they'll be like S-loads of Gatorade. Yeah. Sales on Gatorade. You can't get rid of this stuff. <laughs> Speaking of that, so Walmart had to charter a vessel and Steve Ferreira had mentioned this a few months ago and he said Walmart's chartering all these vessels. So good news, my buddy trucker Beetle Bailey was cruising through Colton, California when he came across this. Take, take a look. All of these containers, they have Is arrived. Is that a warehouse? Is that from...
2: a Walmart warehouse we're looking at? No. So
1: <laughs> these are the ones, I, I believe these are the ones they charted. And they look like 53s. He said they're 53s and 40s. Steve Ferreira, he actually traced this scat code on there and he said I can the container numbers, one container visible in the photo came in on one of the first charters all the way back in March 2021, made for them by China International Marine Containers. But the bad news is that these are all that's just a strip of land in Colton, California. That is not uh, like a designated shipping depot. So we've already started to resort to just um, just a random piece
2: stri- of land, man, yeah. tossing that stuff there. So that one came in in March and it's been sitting there empty ever since. Uh, well, all of them. I would think that all... We can only yeah, see one scat code. only that code, one. Yeah. So you would think it's not that, that one. It's like all of them. So they uh, why'd they get them? I, I, probably for the peak rush, I would think. Maybe for the shortage. <sighs> I'm not really sure but how, someone asked
1: online, how do you get all those containers on top of each other? Because there's zero infrastructure. That's literally a strip yeah, of dirt. It's not reach, It's not a yard. There's no yard infrastructure.
2: No. What no. do you bring over there? A reach stack, I would yeah. imagine. They use reach stackers. I mean, there's such things. You yeah. drive around. So right?
1: a reach stacker, it almost looks like a... Um, yeah, it
2: looks like a big, huge forklift kind yeah, and of thing it has with like a boom on it that, come that, up, and that it has a, a connection the container and container up yeah. and it goes like that. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, we used to use those back in... Uh, in uh, in Florida. Well, these are overflowing in the streets,
1: too. So, And I think they need to find official spots. Because CDL, CDL Life reports residents of a neighborhood in Los Angeles are up in arms over shipping containers, finding a temporary home along their residential streets as trucking companies uh, work to tackle the backups at ports. And I think we have, and we talk about it. Here's like, really? the backup. Here's the like, containers. Do we have the picture from Ian Weiland here that well, shows all the a container cha- numbers?
6: Yeah. These are chassis right? right?
1: Yeah, if we don't, I'll just read them to you. He says, unreturnable return empties sitting in un- unusable chassis. This rastered it up from like 225 to, to
2: 416. Now he's at 514. He's 500 going to be on the show Monday, 14. as we mentioned earlier. So these are empties sitting on chassis. Just sitting so on if chassis. if the empties weren't there, the chassis could be pulling stuff out. Yeah. Because at the ports, if you show up even with a chassis one, yep. you can't do it, right? I got some bad news. You're, uh, you're driving a, 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 a load of steel beams. A driver's driving a load of steel beams. In Kennewick, Washington, He had to make a quick stop he was traveling he wasn't speeding but he had yeah. a, a quick stop and the beams come crashing right through the back of his ear. i think we got a picture of this we look at a this few pictures. yeah you got a couple pictures of this now this it looks like maybe they stop no 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 let's move to the next picture so this, here this guy's these dead, right? things go all the way through the front windshield look at this thing right wow yeah this is I think blood, we gore, the too. everything took his head off no 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 no, no. good news man yeah miraculous this guy walked away He got walked away from this man. Not even it didn't even nick his ear.
1: When when you are looking at this too, if you're listening to the audio version of this, this this pole it went right through the center of the cab, and this is like inches from where your head would be. If this had hit his head, it would have gone like flying like a rocket out the windshield. It's like a
2: forty foot i beam, dude. Awful.
1: Yeah. Awful. Hey everybody, be good to yourself. You know we'll get through this crisis. Don't panic. Don't do anything. Don't do anything. uh, We wouldn't do. What would we do? That Uh, might not uh, be good uh, advice. Hey, well, I'm we Duder. Did we do. <laughs> Find me on Twitter, at Timothy Duder. That's D-O-O-N-E-R. Find him at Vincent the Dude. Hey, tell me will be this weekend.
2: Hey, peace and love it everywhere, my friends.